Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, presented by Conserve the Wild, your destination for an unfiltered look at conservation. Now let's get wild. Welcome back to another episode of the Conservation Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Jason Creighton. This week's episode is number 49, The Benefits of the Outdoors for the Average Person. I hope this episode finds you well, right? That's the opening line of just about every email I'm receiving. And this week, I want to take a slightly different path than I have so far. I've tried to model this podcast in a way to bring you, the listener, information from experts in all kinds of different fields that are associated with conservation. But this time, this week... I want to talk to an average person, and that average person is Dale Wilsey. Dale's a PA guy who I met through social media. He is going to give you his background to start the the conversation, Uh, and we both really feel that this conversation is important to have. It's important because we're all in some way under a stay-at-home order, and for some people, it's having a huge impact on their lives. Some people can't work. Some people have changed how they work. Uh, some people can't like can't do the things they like to do. But for some, it has caused some pretty severe physical or mental or even emotional stress. And both Dale and I have found outdoor activities that help us to relax and recenter ourselves physically and mentally and emotionally. So why am I not talking to some psychological expert? Well, honestly, it's because I feel like the average person, someone like Dale, who can articulate their feelings, can relate the best when it comes to the type of benefits that outdoor activities provide. We also hit a little bit on, for maybe some new people to some outdoor activities, some things we want to try to stay away from doing, i.e. littering. And before we get started, though, I do want to take some time to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. And I also want to encourage you to share this podcast with a friend. So let's not wait any longer. Let's talk to Dale. All right, on today's episode, I'm joined by Dale Wilsey. Dale, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Yourself? I'm doing pretty good, uh, all things considered, given the stay-at-home orders. And uh, you are a a fellow PA outdoorsman, so you are under a lot of the same orders that that I am. Um, Although, sort of looks like yours is going to take a little bit longer to to get out of the red phase than it is for us. But I wanted to talk to you today just because I've been noticing a lot on social media uh, uh, things that you're posting, you post a lot about conservation and all that stuff. So before we really get started, can you just give everyone just a, a quick snapshot of how you got to the point you are now with the outdoors? Uh, so I grew up uh, around Tunkhannock, very rural area if no one's ever heard of it before. Um, I grew up around my father and grandmother. My grandmother was a huge outdoorsman. Um, 
great shot and there's stories of her you know being a better shot than most of her brothers uh, she used to take me fishing all the time she had a creek that run behind her house and my sister and brother and I'd catch crayfish all day and you know she kind of fostered that love for the outdoors and would teach us things about it and you know I grew up around all of it and when I came of age my father started taking me hunting you know take me out for rifle season and I was never successful back then I was a little kid you know I didn't want to be out in the cold all day you know dragged up and down the mountain and everything you know the same thing we deal with with little kids today when we try to take them hunting um but you know I always had that love for the outdoors and hiked a lot and you know kind of got away from hunting once I got into high school and then college came and kind of stole me away from a lot of that you know I kind of lost myself for quite a few years there wasn't really sure where I fit in and what would you know couldn't find happiness really um you know as, as I got a little older you know settled down a little bit I started getting back into hiking uh camping you know getting back to the outdoors kind of retracing back to my roots and over the past uh four years now I've gotten back into hunting and, and really started getting into uh, bow hunting and archery and just kind of you know trying to increase my knowledge of the outdoors you know try to get back to that that place where I feel at home and and you know feel where I belong you know I feel like I've gotten back to that where I I'm comfortable and I I'm happy out there you know it, it reminds me of all those times that when I was a kid out on the creeks fishing with my grandmother, just catching crayfish or, you know, building forts in the woods, you know, simple things like that. Uh, other people listening, since it's a podcast, aren't going to be able to, you know, they're not seeing what I'm seeing as we're uh, recording this with video, but that beard, is that a, a four year <laughs> outdoor? Is, is, did you start growing the beard when you started to get back in the outdoors or did Maybe uh, there was a pull on that beard to get you to the outdoors. I probably haven't been clean shaven since about my sophomore year of college. And ever since then, I, it's, it's gone back and forth. Now, this is probably about three or four years worth of growth. <laughs> as, as a fellow beard man, that is a impressive <laughs> beard uh, that I really enjoy. It's, it's a, it's a great beard. I like you, I haven't been clean shaven in, in, um, uh, pretty I guess 10 years now uh, yeah. since I got my job but um, I've never let it get that far that I I've tried and it doesn't look that good so that's, <laughs> it's, uh, that's uh, impressive. challenging with uh, archery I have to make sure it's out of the way but uh, <laughs> other than that it hasn't been an issue with hunting so you mentioned that you know you got pulled away from the outdoors you know you started mm -hmm. out as a young child and being a a part of the outdoors. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you sort of pulled away from it and then you came back to it. What, I mean, what was it? What was that? Was there like a, a singular moment that you were like, God, oh, this, this is where I need to be. Uh, this is what I need to do. Or was it a gradual slow process to get back into it as much as you have now? Uh, I think for a while I was just, I was living life real fast. Um, you know, I, I, I had my issues here and there, you know, I just couldn't really find my spot. And that led into uh, you know, 
well, it's a depression, I guess you could say, and just, you know, just other issues where I, I, I couldn't really find my niche. I couldn't find, you know, I had plenty of friends, but I didn't really feel at home or, you know, I felt, felt kind of lost. And, uh, you know, once I moved back uh, up to this area, up around Scranton and Tunkhannock and everything, I just started hiking more and just getting out, trying to calm myself and, you know, just get out and spend time alone, think with my own, you know, by myself on my own, try to calm myself, find, find some semblance of normalcy. And I, uh, you know, once I got out there and started spending more and more time, I found like I was becoming happier. I was becoming you know, more calm in my mind and, and just feeling more connected to who I was and, you know, remembering all the fun I had back when I was a kid. You know, I think as I grew up, those things you know especially when you get around kids who are from urban areas who might not understand it or you you get into that college atmosphere there's not a whole lot of hunters that that I met or, or even you know people that like to spend a lot of time outdoors you know save for the occasional stroll through a park or you know on a, a trail here or there and I never really met that many people in college that way and you know you know how it can be where, where kids will you know, you're called a redneck or something like that for being a hunter. And, you know, that kind of pulls a young person away from wanting to be like that because you want to belong. And, uh, you know, once you grow older, you find out, you know, belonging to those people who don't really have the experiences in life that you do, it's, it's not as important. So you start, at least I did, I started drifting back towards that, the things that, you know, what, like I said, getting back to my roots getting back to the things I used to love to do with my, my grandmother and my father and being outdoors. And, you know, once I, I started doing that, it just, it kind of fell in naturally. And I just started spending more time out there, started, you know, thinking about getting back into hunting. Um, but I wasn't sure how to go about it. I was, I was kind of lost on that end too. Cause I, you know, I hadn't been out since I was a kid and, you know, I started seeing, more about archery hunting you know it's become real popular i think anyway in the past in the past few years it's really gotten a big spotlight on it and uh when i was a kid i used to shoot bow a little bit never got super serious about it so i i decided to buy a bow and started shooting and that was another thing where like i could kind of treat that as a meditation as a time to just reflect and calm myself and be focused on something and i fell real in love with it I I've become obsessed with it and and it's really become a, a a source of focus in my life that's really helped me along with the outdoors and uh that's kind of thrown me head over heels into getting as deep as I have been into hunting and just being in the outdoors there's a couple things you said there I want to unpack but I think the first thing is you know you mentioned escaping to the outdoors just to sort of be with your own thoughts and and to mm -hmm. think of things by yourself and to do it do these mm -hmm. activities is almost a solo deal and a lot of people find that notion scary to be alone with their thoughts i know and as you know you're you're finding out now and you know now that you know being in the outdoors and being alone your own thoughts and having that also sort of as you stated meditative state um does help to bring you sort of back to center um 
I mean, w- would you say that's the re that's the main reason that you're getting into the outdoors is just sort of to reset yourself? I think it it helps me at least in a, in a few different ways. I think I would agree with that. That's that's part of the reason. One, it just it helps me realize you know the important things in life because when and, and a buddy of mine and I had this conversation a while ago as to why we like being out there especially by ourselves because I I do some hunting with uh, other people every now and again but I spend a lot of time by myself in the woods and uh we both came to the conclusion that it's just the idea of being out there on your own you know and, and it doesn't have to be 10 miles into the wilderness I mean you can you can get hurt or, or have an issue happen three miles in the back there. No, no one's there to really help you. So it, it, it makes you aware of your surroundings and it, it makes you really think and, and contemplate your moves instead of you know, really rushing through life as I, I feel a lot of people do anymore. It's just everybody's in a hurry to get somewhere and out there, you know, in the woods, in the back country, you've got to kind of take your time choose your steps think about what you're doing especially when you're walking in the woods in the dark I mean there's you know there's it still frightens me I know what's out there I know you know the chances of me stumbling upon a bear that's gonna hop on top of me or something are probably pretty slim but it's still it's it's that whole thing of being alone out there and being reliant on yourself there's no one out there to really tell you what to do and and show you where to go or, or you know what steps to make you got to be conscious of those choices as you're doing it and uh, I think that just slows my brain down kind of brings me to a calm and peaceful you know frame of mind I guess is what I'm trying to say and that just helps me overall it just it kind of centers me I think you put that extremely in great perspective um, the, I think a lot, uh, I agree with a lot of the, the words that you're putting out there. And the other thing that I really want to unpack is that, you know, you mentioned thinking about getting back into hunting and I mean, you are, I don't know how technical we want to get, but you're an adult onset hunter. You started hunting as an adult. You did hunt a little mm-hmm. bit of as a kid. So, you know, in that R3 movement, you're or technically, I guess, a reactivation, but you mentioned how you were really, you really weren't sure where to start. Mm-hmm. What did you, what'd you do to figure out like, Oh, this, these are the steps I need to take. Or, you know, did you surround yourself with people that you felt like knew what they were talking about? Were there uh, podcasts or TV shows or magazines that you read? I mean, what, what was it that helped you gain the confidence to really start getting back into it? Uh, probably a little bit of all that. The first year that I that I actually went back out hunting, I was most familiar with rifle hunting. That's what my dad took me out to do. That's what I knew about. Um, but I had never stepped foot on a game land, on a public game land. I had always hunted with my father on a you know private parcel near our home, or uh, you know just out back at a house where we grew up is where I hunted. I had never been on a game land by myself. So I, uh, I got my license, I got my rifle and, uh, you know, my old 84, 3030 and I bought a new orange jacket and just went out that season on a, on a smaller parcel up the road here. Um, 
not too far from Scranton up by Archbold. And, you know, I, I kind of know a little bit about what I was doing and, and tracking and kind of know, know where deer like to stay just from growing up, you know, in, in the rural areas. So I, I went out and I, I wasn't successful at all. I was probably too loud. I, you know, I was wearing too bulky a clothing. I had a big pair of Carhartt overalls on to keep warm, you know, and it's I kind of probably looked like a bumbling idiot to a lot of people that have been out there, but I, I went out and, you know, wasn't successful at all that first year. I, and I, a lot of things that I didn't do right. And a lot of things that I learned even just from that. And, uh, so I, I put it myself to it and, and thought, all right, next year I'm going to make this better. And to do that, I, I need to educate myself. So I did, I started listening to, to more things like the meat eater podcast, watching their, all their content that they put out. You know, I started uh, reading books, listening to a bunch of different podcasts. I found out about backcountry hunters through meat eater. So I said, okay, I'll check backcountry hunters and anglers out and they just so happened to be having a like a pint night um near me so i went out there and checked it out joined up and probably about a week or two after that we they were having a, a habitat um improvement up on one of the game lands up uh, north of montrose so i went up there with them we were cutting down some trees uh you know making brush piles and stuff like that taking out some of the the trees just to help promote growth and everything and I met a lot of great people you know and met a lot of uh, really interesting people guys my age guys younger than me guys who've been hunting their entire lives and uh, I I'm a bit of a shy person so it's odd for me to strike up conversation with just anybody but a lot of these guys are just real knowledgeable or just real open and, and you know talking to me and helping me so I got to talking with a bunch of them. We left that day, and a couple weeks later, I get an email from one of the guys. Hey, I'm going out to Elk County on a turkey hunt. You know, I'm wondering if you want to come out on it with me. I'm like, okay, sure. I had never been turkey hunting before. That was the first year I went turkey hunting. So I went out to Elk County with them, and, you know, we we spent three days out in Elk County camping and, you know, out in state forests in the wilderness out there turkey hunting we weren't successful we had a couple of gobbles we chased a few around here and there and on sunday uh we went on a hike just uh scouting elk and uh we came around a corner and there's elk about 200 yards out we stalked into within 20 yards of them and that i think at that moment right there really cemented in me that this was going to be something that i'm going to be diving headfirst into it just the the feeling of getting that close to those elk. And I know they're not Western elk that are going to spook, you know, like, like they do out, out in Colorado, but it was still really just that moment. And that whole weekend really cemented into me that, you know, this, this is where I fit. And since then, you know, I've, I've met a lot more people through the organization, been to a lot more events, you know, helped out, got, got real involved with it, started, you know, being vocal myself about things and talking to more people about it and helping them understand. And it's just kind of snowballed off from there, you know? So what are, what are some things you're getting vocal about with backcountry, backcountry hunters and anglers? Uh, just, just conservation in general. There's a lot of stuff that I learned even over the past few years. I mean, I, I had no idea about Pittman Robertson. I had no idea about Dingle Johnson or, or anything really. And I, I knew that, that, 
game lands and public lands were paid for by, you know, through certain taxes and stuff like that. But I, I didn't know much about it. Um, and so just, just the idea of, you know, helping to press legislation go through like the S for the 3422 or 3244, the great American outdoors act basically mm -hmm. is what they're calling it. You know, it, trying to get people to understand the importance of our hunting traditions and how that has helped, you know, bring back certain populations from, from the brink of extinction and how we, we pay for these lands out there that I, I find to be treasures, to be, to be places that should be protected. I mean, I, I've read stuff like Leopold and I read stuff, uh, you know, from, you know, all over just speaking about these treasures that America has. And it's, it's something that I, I feel like I, I need to be vocal about protecting and I need to be vocal to help people understand um, just how important they are and what we as hunters do to help them, you know, remain and how we help the populations. And, you know, not to just say it's hunters because it's not just hunters, but just people in general. And I, I sat down with my, my girlfriend last night just to prepare for this, this podcast. And I never really thought about it before because she's, she doesn't hunt. She'll fish with me every now and again. She grew up in an urban area. And I, I asked her, you know, what have you learned? What's changed about your idea about what hunting was? You know, what did you know about any of this before I started getting back into it? And she was straight up honest with me. She had no idea, you know, and I, I find that's the, the commonality between a lot of people who don't really support hunting or don't understand it. They just, they, they don't have the knowledge of it. And I think that's a big fault on, you know, our part as hunters that maybe a lot of us aren't very vocal about of it. Maybe a lot of us get a little more defensive than we should be, you know, in conversation when people are like, Oh, how can you hunt? You know, that's, you're just out there to kill animals. And it's, you know, we have a tendency to get defensive because we know that it's not that, you know, we know that we're out there. It's the killing of an animal is, you know, seconds of weeks and weeks of being out there in the wild and, and taking all that in. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's something we should be more vocal about and being in backcountry hunters. I, you know, I find that support with everybody around me and, and to, to come out of my shell and be a little more vocal about things and talk to people more. Um, and stop me if I'm rambling at all. <laughs> any no, any th time here. This is this is one of those times with what you're saying where um, someone might feel like they're rambling. You may feel that, but the things that you're saying are spot on. Um, you know, and just to clarify for anyone that might not be familiar with the with Pittman Robinson, um, that was legislation that was passed uh, the years and years ago. Uh, that basically hunters decided to tax themselves. Um, so a portion of uh, the firearms, ammunition, um, also archery supplies, things mm -hmm. like that, a portion of that is uh, sent to the federal government. And then based on a number of different factors, uh, license sales being one of them, number of license sales and per capita license sales for a state, uh, states apply for reimbursement funding uh, for projects that they do in relation to conservation and uh, access to huntable lands and uh, fishing as well. So, um, 
you know, the people that are supporting the conservation efforts the most um, are not necessarily the most vocal. Uh, oftentimes, it's that silent majority uh, of people that are buying their hunting license uh, that also goes towards it, but then they're buying outdoors equipment uh, in relation to hunting and fishing that then goes back to those states. Um, so you mentioned your girlfriend didn't, she was honest and said that she mm -hmm. had really no idea about hunting uh, before you started getting into it. Um, my wife grew up in a suburban setting, um, not part of a hunting family. So obviously a big change whenever we started dating, uh, eventually got married, um, you know, as someone who is pretty into the outdoors, someone who's involved in the outdoors uh, and hunting specifically, what, what, what do you think hunters need to do to educate the general public? I, think I know that's need, a, that's a loaded yeah. question because there's not just <laughs> one thing we can do. No, that, no, there's not. And I, I, I think we do ourselves a, a, a disservice by, you know, as I said, there's a lot of people that get defensive and, and rightfully so a lot of times. I mean, there's been times that, I see photos of guys that, you know, they post their, their spring bear or something. And just the, the things some people say, it just are awful. And it's, there are always going to be those people whose, whose ideas and opinions of things that you're just never going to change. And I, I don't really bother, you know, spending my time on those types of people, but there are a lot of people out there who don't, don't really know anything about how any of this works. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like we do our dis, uh, ourselves a disservice just by not being vocal about it or not getting, you know, maybe not taking our kids out, you know, to just enjoy the outdoors like, like we used to. At least that's, that's the way I see it. I have two nieces who I'm always struggling to get to take outside, you know, hey, come take a walk with me here, you know, just explain to them different things. Uh, I remember as a kid, Earth Day and, you know, getting trees and, planting trees and everything i don't even know if they still do that in schools most of the time anymore you would know better than i do anyway <laughs> I, I mean um, i our district does but um only because i'm the one that spearheaded that effort six years ago um mm -hmm. we didn't do that before yeah. uh, you know so yeah it the the concept of teaching kids about the natural world is definitely something that has taken a major backseat uh, might even be in, you know, the, the bed of the truck, not even the backseat. So yeah. um, I agree 100%. We're doing ourselves a disservice by not getting to people early on. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't know when caring about the environment and conservation ever became a Republican or Democratic thing. I, I, you know, it's from what I remember, it was always, we all cared about what was out there. And I, uh, you know, just from, that standpoint alone, I, I think we're failing uh, just as a society, not just as hunters, but more specifically on a, on a hunter standpoint, I think we should, you know, at least just take somebody out. Like, like BHA has this thing called Take Two. And uh, it was a, a movement that I believe we started just this past year where, where we encouraged members to take two new people out, whether not even hunting, just, you know, taking out, taking somebody out, while you're doing some scouting 
or taking somebody out when you're checking your trail cams, just, just simple things while you're shed hunting, take someone out shed hunting, just explaining different things to them. You know, it's, it's hard to get somebody into the idea of leveling a rifle at a white tailed deer or, and it's extremely hard to get somebody into archery because that's something that you got to dedicate your life to. So I think it's, a great movement and a great idea, not only just for, you know, us backcountry hunter members, but something that everybody should strive to do, especially hunters, is just take somebody new out in the woods, take somebody out there, show them the things that they're missing. Because I, I know, I know, and I'm sure you know, and everybody else that does this, who, who goes out in the woods and spends that time, we see things that people miss all the time, amazing things, amazing sights. You know, I, watched two bobcats this year on opening day of uh, archery season stalk up the hill on my dad's property and that was the first time I'd ever seen bobcats with my own two eyes in the wild and it was just you know it's things like that that really really dig their hooks in and, and, and bring you out there you know keep wanting to go out there all the time I get so excited pulling my my trail cam pictures and it this past month I pulled them I got pictures of Fisher on there and I've never seen Fisher with my own two eyes but that was the first time I've seen a Fisher a photo of a Fisher in the wild that I got to take anyway um it's just neat things like that I mean hell I'll I'll get a kick out of watching a chipmunk screw around on the ground you know while I'm up in the stand and nothing's happening it's just there's things you see and sights you see and and just the way animals behave when they don't know you're there and uh it's I think if more people were exposed to that, taken out and just shown the wild as the wild is, not just from a severely trampled path that's half a mile long next to, you know, the highway, you know, it's, it's taking somebody out there in the actual wild and letting them experience that and helping them understand the things that they see is just something that I think helps. I mean, I, I've, as I said, I've taken my girlfriend out with me shed hunting a couple of times. She'll be like, Oh, what's that track there? What's that track there? What's this? And I'll be explaining things. And you know, she's fascinated by it. She, she loves, she loves it. And I, you know, I've taken her cousin out who's gotten really into the idea of going out hunting. He, he wants to go out with me this year. And, and I think, I think we should all strive to do more of that just to get more people out there, no matter what it, you're doing out there, whether it's, like I said, shed hunting or even even just cooking something up for somebody. It'd be like, hey, try this, you know. And, and I th I think we lose a lot of those opportunities where we could bring people into this, and or at least have them understand it more so than they do. I think those are all very great points that really demonstrate everything that is great about the outdoors. Um, you know, I mean, even just. Uh, you know, I, I like to, I consider myself a conservationist. I consider myself a hunter. I consider myself an outdoors person, but to just be an outdoors person, someone who go, who likes to go on hikes, there's so much that you miss by, mm -hmm. like you said, hiking, even if it's in a state park uh, or a national forest on a hiking trail, you're still missing things because like yeah. you said that beaten down trail um you know it it's may in pennsylvania it's turkey season you know sitting for a half hour in the dark and hearing nothing 
because nothing's awake yet. And then just as the sun comes up, hearing the songbirds and just hearing the woods just come alive, that's something you mm -hmm. don't get if you're just going to go for a hike, because I'm not going to choose to go for a hike at 4.30 in the morning. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah. the, the fact that the activity I'm choosing is requires me to be out that early causes me to see and hear things that I other otherwise I, I normally wouldn't um you mm. know it, it's having that sort of all around um outdoors person perspective and doing a little bit of everything exposes you to so many different things in the woods that you know it truly is you know amazing what you get to see whenever you put yourself in that situation mm. For sure. I mean, I remember the first time I heard a turkey gobble at the crack of dawn. There was fog rolling across the, the field we were sitting on. And I heard that tur turkey, he's probably about 200 yards away. I just heard that echo through there. I had hairs standing up on my arm. It's just something about that, you know, or, or hearing, you know, hearing a deer, uh, a buck grunting and huffing as he's following the trail of a hot doe. And it's, or just even just that moment when, you know how it is when a when a buck will come out of nowhere. You're sitting there, you're kind of just watching off in the, into the distance there, and you hear a slight crack. You turn around, and there's this beautiful buck just strolling through the woods. Has no idea you're there, and uh, you might not even raise your weapon to take a shot at it. But just just being out there to to see that is something that you know I, I think is lost on a lot of people, and it's unfortunate. You know, I I I don't understand how people can't find wonder in the woods and can't find you know moments that just you know just leave you speechless it's you know it's something that i don't understand how some people don't feel that way you mentioned as a way to sort of extend that olive branch to someone who might be a non-hunter is you know to cook something up for them and something mm. that i wish i could take credit for but um steve ranella coined as far as i'm concerned uh, coined the term of venison diplomacy. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, how, how is it, or why is it important to, for you to share your harvest with someone else? It's real important. I, I, uh, I get such satisfaction out of knowing that I provided that meal. I know exactly where it came from. You know, I, I cleaned it. I prepared it. I mean, just the other day I went out fishing. I pulled up a bunch of bluegill, brought them home, cleaned them. Next night I had a little bit of a fry and I gave that, you know, I got to feed my girlfriend and myself with that, that fish and, you know, wasn't a backstrap, but still it's, it's just the, the, uh, the, the sense of pride and accomplishment. I mean, even driving home that night when I knew I had 10 bluegill in the back of the truck, just I, I dri driving home happy you know I, I was just had a good time I was proud of myself I I spent that time out there I I harvested those fish or I you know I'll go out there and I harvest a couple squirrel you know and it just the sense of pride and and sharing that with somebody to know that that I I did everything from step one to plate you know from walking out the door that morning to here's a meal it's uh I don't even know if I could put that in any other words other than just a sense of pride and accomplishment and, you know, just a sense of providing. And I guess that's probably, you know, my lizard brain of uh, 
being a hunter, you know, that, I mean, we've, we've all had millions of years of evolution where we're, we're providers and hunters. And that's, I feel that when I'm out there, you know, when I, when I'm sitting full draw on a deer, I mean, it, that lizard brain kicks in you. That's, I feel like that's why we get buck fever. You know, it's something like I need to provide, I need to get this food for my family and my people. And it's, I think that's something that just gets tickled in the back of your head when you're out there and, and there's no real words for it and you can't really explain it to anybody. It's something that you have to experience. And, uh, and I, I love, I love cooking in general, but to cook something that I harvested myself or grew myself or there, there's something extra in that. Yeah. It's one of the best ways to go grocery shopping in, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so something that really gets stuck in my pants as far as just really irritates me. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time as I've talked about on, on previous episodes on our family property that we have up North. Um, so it's a lot of private land, but I always make time to go down to um, a, a game lands is close. We have two different game lands that are uh, within a mile of our cabin, one, you know, one North, one South. Um, so I, I make sure to spend some time there, you know, either doing some hiking or scouting or even hunting. Um, and the thing that really irritates me is I always come back with pockets full, or now I've learned to take a bag with me and bags full of litter and trash. And I know this is a, a big part of backcountry hunters and anglers. Um, you know, how, how bad does, does that get on your nerves? <laughs> now you're starting to get into things that grind my gears real bad. Uh, I mean, I, I get so, so very upset. Um, and it's, I, my, my level of frustration rises the further back into the woods that I get and I can still find trash somewhere. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm six miles back in here and somebody still was managed to ruin this somehow. And, uh, you know, I, like, like you, I've, I've been taking bags with me. I've got a whole pile of them in the back of my truck. Um, just last week when I went to check my cameras, I went up, you know, parked on the, the pincho up there and th there's shotgun shells everywhere. And it's, you know, I just, I don't understand what is so hard for people to just pick up their trash and take it with them. You know, they obviously brought it in with them. There's an absolutely no reason that they can't bring it out. And uh, it's even worse just around, you know, state parks. I'll, I'll go up to Lackawanna State Park and every time I go fishing up there, it's I'm picking up line, I'm picking up broken bobbers, I'm picking up the, the styrofoam cups that they bought their live bait in. You know, it, I'm pulling lures out of trees. I, you know, it, it's, it just, it really irks me. And I, I think that's, there's a few things there that I think cause that issue. One of them just being people unaware or not appreciating the fact that it's not just their place to go. This is all of ours. You know, we, we all put into this, this is here for all of us. And the more we treat it with disrespect, the more of chances we're going to have of it being taken away from us. And I, and I don't know if it's just a selfishness in people or a laziness or a combination of all those things. It, it, irks me to no end to find garbage and it's it it just <laughs> yeah that that's one thing that just 
it's the most annoying and angering thing that I, uh, that I ever come across. Yeah. I like the fact that at state parks, national forests, you see signs, you know, the, the leave no trace signs, you know, reminding mm-hmm. people to pick up their trash, but it really, really eats at me that we even need to place those signs up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I get there. There's times, you know, you, you may eat your, you know, your energy bar or whatever, and you throw your, uh, throw that wrapper in your pack and somehow it worked its way out. Maybe it started to rain, you, you're throwing your rain gear on and it, it fell out. You didn't notice. Uh, I get that that happens, but the amount of trash that you see on public land, um, you know, just sort of strewn about just, man, it, like I said, it, it just really eats at me that we even need to have those signs mm-hmm. um, up. <laughs> and and it's just, been apparent apparent now even with with everything that's going on you have increased number of people out here on these public lands especially the more popular areas and it just it uh, nobody takes responsible they they throw there could be a full garbage can and they're still throwing garbage on top of it it's <laughs> you know, we're, we're all adults. We should be able to clean up after ourselves. And then every time I go out, I feel like I'm cleaning up after a bunch of children and it, and it's something that irks me to no end. You know, we, we shouldn't need to be told to pick up garbage. You know, I, when I was a kid, I learned, you know, don't litter. It's, it's, it's a very simple concept, you know, take your trash with you, throw it away where it belongs, recycle it where it belongs do something other than leaving it on the ground to ruin somebody else's experience or ruin this public area that, that we all, you know, put our money and our, our time and, you know, try to ha- create memories on. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's one thing that grinds my gears. Yeah. And that's, you know, something else to, to mention to add to that is, you know, when you leave that fishing line or you leave that, that trash, I mean, that's affecting the wildlife in the area too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even if it's, you know, you don't care about leaving trash cause you don't care about me having to see it. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Think about the wildlife that are going to suffer from, you know, trying to drink out of a broken bottle or, you know, getting mm-hmm. wrapped up in some fishing line or whatever it might be, you know, that think of the wildlife and, and what, how that's affecting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that, that we talked about a little bit uh, before we started recording was, and we discussed a, uh, very slightly in the beginning, was just that sort of mental and, and physical aspect of outdoor activities. Um, you know, what, why is it important to have places to go? This is, this is one of our missions is, uh, for Conserve the Wild is we're trying to preserve and sort of limit the impacts of urbanization, right? Once, mm-hmm. once we alter the landscape, it's forever altered. It's never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. But from, you know, why do you feel like it's important to keep these areas and or possibly add to the areas that already exist? What, what makes these areas important in our modern world? I think as humans, we have a natural draw to the outside world. And I think that's become very apparent lately, especially since everybody has all this free time. I mean, there's been increased numbers of people out at the parks and, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not they're actually taking care of it, they're still out there. They're still drawn to that. You know, I, I've been up to, you know, Lackawanna State Park's only a couple miles up the road from me and I've gone up there 
fishing quite a few times over the past couple months. And every time I go up there, it's just full of people fishing, you know, way more than I'm used to seeing up there. You know, they're, they're all across, parked all along the road there by the bridge. They're parked up on Bullhead Bay. They're, you know, they're fishing everywhere. There's people out, you know, running the trails, walking the trails. Just up the road from us is Lake Scranton. And that's not even a, a really a, it's a private access basically but there's a, a trail around that and it's just I've never seen that parking lot full until all this started and the quarantine started and so I think it's just we have a natural pool to experience the outdoors to to be outside and I think that a lot of the modern world just kind of covers that up for most people and you, you kind of forget about it you know I, people like you and I, we, we know the importance of it. We get out there, we make that a priority to go out. You know, a lot of people, they have other priorities that they need to take care of, or they feel like they can't make time to go out or straight up. They just don't know these places exist. You know, I, I, that was another thing that I asked my girlfriend. I said, you know, before I really got into all this and started explaining a lot of these things to you, did you even have any idea that state game lands existed or that you could even access them or, or state forests existed that you could go to and you can wander around for miles without, you know, anybody out there. And she, she had no idea. And I, I think a lot of people have no idea that these, that a lot of these places exist. You know, they know, they know the parks, the major parks, you know, everybody knows Yellowstone, everybody knows, you know, uh, Yosemite and, and you know everybody around here knows Lackawanna State Park but you know, nobody knows the smaller areas of public spaces that you can actually go there's times I'll go up to a game land I'll, I'll go weeks going up there and I never see another soul up there and it's it and it amazes me that nobody nobody utilizes them nobody goes up there other than when it's hunting season and it's it's unfortunate and I think that's another thing that you know gets lost in there a lot of people just are are oblivious to it they they don't know they don't know it exists well Dale, we're running up on time here a little bit so i want to get just one last thing from you and, and that would be what you feel is the most important thing that people should know about conservation or hunting or you know anything in the outdoor space what if there's that one thing that you could sort of express to people uh, about it what what's that one important piece of information <laughs> um these are important places uh these are places where you can find yourself these are places where you can see the true beauty and wonder of the world. And as you said before, once they're changed, they're, they're not going to be the same. They're not going to come back to the way they were. And, uh, you know, we got to fight to protect those lands. It's, it's a privilege that we have these places in the United States. And it's a privilege that a lot of people around the world don't have. And, uh, to let them, to overlook them and to not protect them and to not care for them would be a huge tragedy. And I, I feel like, you know, it's, it should be all of our goals to protect every inch of public land that is out there. And I, 
try to protect as much as of it as we can because it's once it's gone it's gone and those are places you're going to miss out on well said well said well dale thank you for joining me uh this was a great conversation i really enjoyed it i really appreciate you for having me on i appreciate the invite and uh hopefully we could do it again sometime absolutely that'll do it for today's episode i really want to thank dale for coming on and talking with me it <laughs> we've really had a good conversation which is nice to have whenever you're stuck at home uh even myself being able to go outside dale being able to go outside we're spending time outdoors and it's nice uh we're you know we're able to get out of the house but that doesn't necessarily mean there's someone to talk to when you're out there by yourself, which is, you know, good and bad, right? I don't want to say that as it's a bad thing that I'm out there by myself. Um, I actually like it. Uh, as we talked about in the episode, you know, you sort of recenter yourself. You, you get that time to think. Uh, you're away from technology. We really want to encourage people to get outside. While I'm a hunter, while Dale is part of the R3 movement where he is a reactivated hunter, uh, and, you know, I'm going to always talk about how great hunting is as a conservation tool, uh, as a way to interact with the outdoors. If hunting's not for you, that's okay. The key is to continually get outside. If you like to hike, if you think you might like fishing, if you think you might like kayaking, uh, it, even just, you know, bird watching or going out and working on habitat, right? Planting trees. Anything you can do to be outside is going to help you mentally reset. Not to mention being outside doing a physical activity is good physically for you as well, right? It's going to help you physically, mentally, and emotionally. So even though some of these stay-at-home orders are, are starting to be lifted in some areas, you know, still Make time in your life to get outside. It's going to make your overall quality of life better. I promise you. I promise you. If you find something outside that you like to do, even just sitting outside by a campfire, whatever you can do to get outside, get outside. Get away from modern life for even just an hour or two at a time. You're going to like the end result. So until next week, Get outside and stay wild. Mm -hmm.